0: Hello, and welcome to the Destiny Church Podcast. We pray that as you listen to this message, it helps you grow closer to God and inspires you to live like Jesus. Thanks for listening. Here's the message. Turn with me to Ezekiel chapter 37, and uh, I'm gonna try to walk you through a story today that I think is just an incredibly powerful story. Um, But this message for me this week, you know, there's weeks like, the messages I sit down to write and it just flows freely. And it's like the Lord just kind of walks in the room. And then there's weeks like this week. I'm going to tell you this was the one of the most difficult messages I've had to write in years. And it wasn't because this is a tough t- topic for me or anything like that, but just I had writer's block. And I don't know if any of you have ever tried to write or anything like that, but there's times it's like your brain will not work. And um, Typically, I have my messages done, at least try to get it to the production team and all of that by Thursdays. And then I spend Thursday afternoon, Friday, and Saturday kind of just putting that in my heart and in my spirit so I can deliver it. Well, Thursday comes and goes and still no message. And then Friday comes and goes, and it's about 2 p.m., and I literally have no words on paper, and I'm beginning to panic, and I didn't tell them this in first service, and then somebody, I don't know who, I still don't know who, but sabotaged my chair, and my chair broke and fell back against the wall, and I'm sitting there trying to study, and I have no back on my chair, and I think it's probably Chris Ritchie, but anyway, no, but somebody sabotaged my chair, and uh, and then I'm like, all right, and then I'm angry because I can't write the message, and I don't have a chair that works. And, uh, but anyway, uh, only words I could get on paper were, can these bones live? And that was it. And, uh, but then it just kind of started coming. And, and uh, actually, this is one of those, I don't do this very often, but I finished this message up last night. And, uh, but I believe the Lord has something special for us today. Last week, we looked at the powerful story of Lazarus. And how God raised him from the dead. And in fact, even in the middle of service last week, we stopped and prayed for people that needed to experience an even now moment. And we talked about resurrection. Today, I want to continue that conversation. But, and I want to speak to all of you. But I really want to speak to those of you in the room who might be spiritually dead. Or spiritually dying or dry. Or maybe you feel stuck. I want to talk to you. Today, And I don't want this message to come across in any way, shape, or form as, um, as a condemning message. In fact, I want today to be exact opposite. I, I want to encourage you today. I want to encourage you with what I believe is a powerful story of God's incredible ability. And so what we're going to do is we're going to look at Ezekiel chapter 37, verse 1 through 10. We're just going to kind of walk through this today and uh, try to walk through it slowly Um, but without taking too much time, all right? Ezekiel chapter 37, let me read the first part of this. It says this, The hand of the Lord was on me, and he brought me out by his Spirit, and he set me down in the middle of a valley. So let me just kind of give you some context. One of the things I want to try to do to you today also is I want to, part of what I'm trying is a couple weeks ago we talked about follow and we talked about reading the word and, and I tried to give you some tips on how to read the word and, and really what I'm even doing with this message today is kind of allowing you to see kind of how I read and uh, kind of trying to give you some context because I don't just read the scripture. I want to see if I'm reading about Ezekiel, I want to know who is Ezekiel, I want to know where he was. It brings the story together and so I just kind of want to do that with you. But what we have here is Ezekiel. Um, This is a prophetic vision from the Lord. Um, uh, The Lord put something in Ezekiel's heart. Ezekiel wasn't just walking in the desert one afternoon and he stumbled upon a valley of dry bones. This was a vision from the Lord. Actually, um, the Lord had something he wanted Ezekiel to see, but he also had something he wanted him to declare. And there was a very intentional point about this vision In fact, um, chapter 37, verse 11, we're not going to read it, but tells us this vision is about God's people, the people of God, the people of Israel. And so you can kind of know that just a little bit. But this vision that's from the Lord, I don't know any of you that have ever had a dream or a vision. I've not had too many of them, but I've had some dreams. I've had some visions where I literally saw kind of what the Lord was um, showing me. And many times, I remember I actually had one last year about even baptisms in our church and something the Lord showed me. It was a picture. And I remember when I woke up, I thought it was real. I thought it was happening in that moment. I woke up and I was like, oh, it wasn't happening. But it was like the Lord started giving me some clarity over the next couple of days, even showing me, Chad, that's what is to come. You know, and oftentimes dreams or visions from the Lord, that's what they are. There's something that the Lord wants to do, and he's showing you something. Maybe it's not yet, but he's showing you something that is to come. And so for Ezekiel, I, I believe that this vision probably felt like it was really happening, but it wasn't really happening. It was just a vision. It was pointing to something. And uh, this vision is a is a twofold vision. It's about resurrection, but it's also about restoration. And we're going to look at it in just a moment. But these dry bones represented here in Ezekiel chapter 37 that we're going to study on today, um, the people of God, they needed a resurrection, but they also needed a restoration. And uh, we're going to look at that today. And so today, if you need Um, resurrection in your life, if you need renewal, if you need restoration, what I want to do today is I want to show you through this story how I believe this happens. But before we do, I just want to pray over you guys today. Lord, I just ask in these next few moments that we have together, Lord, that you would speak into this room, that you would speak to these people today. Lord, I know that there's people that are hurting. I know there are these people that are discouraged. I know, that I know there are people who are spiritually stuck. And I believe today you're going to resurrect, restore, and renew. We thank you for that. In Jesus' name, we all pray. Everybody set? Amen. All right, let's look at it. Ezekiel chapter 37. I'm going to read verse 1 and 2 right now. It says this. The hand of the Lord was on me. This Ezekiel speaking again, remember that. And he brought me out by his spirit. God's doing this. He's giving him a vision. And he set me down in the middle of the valley. It was full of bones. And then listen, he led me all around them. There were a great many of them on the surface of the valley, and they were very dry. So let me give you some more context of what's happening here. Ezekiel is a prophet, but not only is Ezekiel a prophet of God, he is a priest for the nation of Israel and he's a priest even at this time in verse in chapter 37 the nation of Israel was actually in captivity in Babylon they were in Babylonian captivity because of sin and disobedience and so this vision for Ezekiel has to be troublesome cuz it's talking about his But one of the things you have to notice, one of the things I want you to know is for Ezekiel, again, remember this is a vision that for him is probably feeling like this is really happening. But as a priest, as a prophet, one of the things that the Old Testament law said is a priest could not be around human bones, human remains. He couldn't, because it would make him unclean. And so Ezekiel is having this vision where he's walking in a valley of bones that are exposed, so this has to be troublesome for him because he is a priest. Numbers chapter 19, verse six tells us, anyone who touches a human bone or a grave will be unclean for seven days. So this is where we see Ezekiel, and I want you to understand this. This isn't just a story. This is something that he is seeing that God is prophetically saying is happening. So when Ezekiel is in this valley, he's not just in a valley of dry bones. He's in a place that is unclean and it's making him unclean is how his mind is seeing this. And it's all, I mean, this is Death Valley if there ever was Death Valley. And according to Ezekiel chapter 37, verse 2, God makes Ezekiel walk through these dry bones, of which there are many. They are scattered. I want you to imagine this story with us. I want you to picture it happening. Now, when I say a valley of bones, I'm not talking about, you know, one leg bone and one shin bone, and that's all. It is a valley full of bones. It is representing the people of Israel, and these bones are scattered, these bones are dry. These bones are picked clean by the birds. I mean, imagine this. You know, you've got one guy's arm over here and his leg way over there. They are scattered, they're dry, they're everywhere. If some of you were plopped into this vision, into this story, this might literally be your worst nightmare ever. This might play out for you like a horror story, right? I mean, because you, I mean, I don't want to be around dead people, I don't want to be around dry bones. This is, but this is exactly what's happening. In this story. When I read it, I think of the old song by the by the Delta Rhythm Boys. How many remember this song? Dim bones, dim bones, dim. Dry bones, dim bones. Uh, how many remember? We almost led that in worship today. I thought that'd be a really uplifting song for us today. But anyway, how many remember that song? But when I read stories like this, that's what I picture, and I picture Ezekiel seeing this all unfold. But this has to be, for this prophet, for this priest, a very disturbing scene. But something you have to understand, and this is why it's so important when we we read the word, we get full understanding of what's happening in the word, and we need to do some research in the word because if we just read through this, we don't understand all the depth and all the detail. But one of the things that um, ancient Israel believed was if a corpse was not buried and their bones were exposed, there was disgrace, there was shame. So, what you have with Ezekiel is not only is he feeling unclean, but there is disgrace and shame, and that's what the people of God in Captivity are feeling. Remember, this is a vision. They're not literally scattered dry bones, but it is a prophetic picture of their current state in Babylon. They are in captivity. They are disgraced. They are feeling shame. And so God is showing all of this to Ezekiel. And I think this might even be where some of you are today feeling some shame, feeling some disgrace, maybe from something you've done in your past. Maybe from somebody you were in the past. Maybe it's from something that happened to you. I think there's even people in this room today who are feeling some shame spiritually because of where you once were with the Lord. And today, maybe you feel like you put an act on, but you're not as close to the Lord as you once were. You're not as passionate about Jesus as you once were. Maybe you're not as hungry for God as you once were. So we feel some shame and we feel some some, some disgrace. But I want to tell you, if you feel shame, if you feel disgrace, one of the beautiful things about God is I don't have to stay there. I don't have to stay in shame. I don't have to stay in in disgrace. But God can resurrect me. God can restore me. God can renew me. So I don't know who you are today, but if you came in this room carrying a little bit of shame, feeling a little bit of embarrassment or some disgrace of something in your life, I want to tell you I believe today that God is going to resurrect that and God is going to restore it. I believe restoration is available for you today and I'm going to show you that through this word. Now, when we look at this story, one of the big things that sticks out to, out to us is the bones, right? So, why the bones? I mean, we have this prophetic vision about the people of Israel that are in Babylonian captivity, but why, why are we seeing this? What is actually happening? Well, the Bible tells us in Ezekiel chapter 36 that the people of God had defiled the land by their deeds and by their actions, by their words. What that means? The people of God were a prophetic dream of a dry, bone, dry bones in a valley. What God is saying is here, they are here because of their sin and because of their disobedience. They have sinned, they have disobeyed God. And because of their sin, because of their disobedience, because of their rebellion, listen to me, it leads to shame and it leads to disgrace. Let me tell you today, that's oftentimes what sin does to us. Sin leads us to being in shame. You see that in Genesis when Adam and Eve sinned. What did they do? They ran and hid. Why? Because they were ashamed. And that's what sin does to us. That's what things that aren't godly in our past do to us. They cause us to feel some shame and they cause us to feel some disgrace. They cause us to feel some embarrassment. So that's where the people of God are today. They've defiled the land by their ways and by their deeds, meaning they've sinned. It's led to shame. It's led to disgrace, which ultimately leads to their demise, which ultimately leads to their captivity by the Babylonians. It leads to their spiritual death. Listen to me, which leads to the death of their dreams, and it's even leading to the death of their nation. Because remember, this is the people of God who escaped Egypt. God brought them into the promised land, gave them a land. They no longer have their land. They no longer have their king. They no longer have any of that. They are living in shame. They are living in captivity, and this is what sin does to us. Romans 6.33 tells us, for the wages of sin is what? Say it again, the wages of sin is what? So the cost of sin would be? When we sin, listen to me, it leads to separation. It leads to distance. Distance leads to dryness. Dryness leads to death. And that's what we have happening in this story. Their sin created distance between them and God. And that distance between them and God, as it continues to linger, listen to me, some of you come into this room with some distance between you and God. But here's some good news today. Today you can, you can reconnect. God can restore that today. He can renew your passion and your energy today. But what happened with the people of Israel is their distance just kept growing and growing and growing. And it led to their demise. It led to their destruction. It led to their spiritual death. And that's what we see happening here in our story. God is telling the prophet Ezekiel, the priest Ezekiel, through this vision, that his people, because of their sin and rebellion, they've been led into captivity. And this vision that he's seeing, these bones, that are scattered, picked clean by the birds, bleached by the sun, all of this, they are here because they are dead and hopeless as a nation. And the people who are in captivity, they see their situation as hopeless. Remember, they're cut off from their homeland. They're cut off from their ways. They no longer have what they once had. They are cut off. They feel all of this shame, all of this disgrace. And today, this might be where some of us in this room are spiritually. Maybe some of you today, maybe you feel some shame. Maybe you feel some distance. Maybe you feel stuck. Maybe you feel some embarrassment. Here's here's the real spiritual word that I really, I literally, there's times when you kind of feel like the Lord puts like a word in your heart, and I felt like the Lord kind of gave me one this weekend as I was thinking about this message. Some of you, what you feel is blah. (laughs) Isn't that just an incredible word? But that's kind of like my intellectability at times, maybe. But I don't know. But like that's where I feel like Lord's saying there. Some of us we just feel kind of oh, spiritually just kind of oh, just kind of just kind of stuck. And that's where I feel like some of you are sitting today, just kind of in this place where you're just kind of in a rut spiritually. You're just stuck. You know Jesus. You you think about Him sometimes. But you're just kind of stuck and you feel some distance. And so one of the questions that I ask myself at times is is you have to be able to, when you're feeling some distance, you have to deal with that. Lord, how do I know if I'm stuck spiritually? How do I know if I'm in in a rut spiritually? How do I know if I'm just kind of feeling blah spiritually? Because I think sometimes we can just kind of go through motions and just do life and never really wrestle with that question. So I want to give you today seven indicators that you might be stuck spiritually. Seven indicators that you might be just kind of feeling blah or maybe even worse, some of you are, di- are dead spiritually. Seven indicators. Number one, here's some indicators if you're stuck spiritually. Number one, you don't pray anymore. Listen to me, if you don't pray anymore, and I'm not talking about now you lay me down to sleep prayers. I'm not talking about praying over our meal. I'm not talking even about praying when I need God. I'm talking if you don't have a consistent prayer life, and I'm not telling you you have to pray an hour a day. or I'm not putting any time limit on it. Okay? I'm saying if you don't have a life where you spend time every day talking to your Creator, talking to God, if you don't involve Him in your conversations throughout the day, listen to me, you might be stuck spiritually. If you can go 24 hours a day without talking to God, you are probably not just feeling blah spiritually. You might be dead. Just giving you some indicators that you might be in a place spiritually that you don't want to be. Number one, if you don't pray anymore. Number two, if you, if the only time you hear the Word of God preached or the only time you read it is, is when it's on this screen or when it comes out of my lips. Listen to me, If you don't read the Word or if you don't study the Word, if you don't put some time into the Word of God daily, you're going to find yourself blah spiritually. You're going to find yourself stuck in that distance between how do we hear from the Lord right here. This is how you... I'm just communicating a message, but you know how you hear from the Lord daily? It's through his word. This is how you hear from the Lord, right here. So you've got to be in the word. So if if you're not praying, if you're not in the word, I'm promising you, you're feeling blah spiritually, dry spiritually, stuck spiritually, or maybe dead. Number three, another big one. If you prioritize anything and everything besides God, you might be stuck spiritually. Let me say it this way. If something or someone or somewhere excites you more than being in the presence of Jesus excites you, then you might be stuck spiritually. That's tough. But let me say it again. If something or someone or some place elicits more excitement inside you than Jesus himself, you might be stuck spiritually. You might be on your way towards some distance and some dryness. Number four, and this is one that I know some people wrestle with, and some people say, well, you're just a pastor, you have sex. No, I believe this. If you lose interest in attending church, I believe you are stuck spiritually. I believe this with everything in me. Because here's one thing I've noticed. I've been in church my whole life. I've been in ministry a lot of years. And I've seen people that are faithful in God's house. And I've watched them when I can tell that they're kind of dying out spiritually. One of the first things I see going is their church attendance. If you find yourself not desiring to be in the house of God consistently, and I'm not, when I was a kid, consistent church attendance, I think it was like they went three out of four Sundays a month. Now, consistent church attendance is people maybe attend once a month. If we're losing, this is on an average. This is on an average across America. Listen to me. If you are losing interest in being in God's house, you might be stuck spiritually, okay? Number, Number five, If you begin to rationalize sin and disobedience, if you, sit this way, if you begin to justify your sins that you know are contrary to the Word of God, you are stuck, dry, or dead spiritually. Did you hear me? If you rationalize or justify your sin, it's okay. Another way, if you compare yourself to somebody else spiritually, well, I'm not sinning as much as they are, you're stuck spiritually. Okay, Just giving you some ways to understand maybe if you're stuck spiritually. Number six, if you find yourself conforming to the ways of the world. How do we say it? If you look more like the world than you do Jesus, you're probably stuck spiritually. And number seven, if you find yourself spiritually indifferent. What do I mean by that? If you just kind of find yourself, huh, I don't care. Or maybe that word is blah. I just don't care anymore. If you find yourself indifferent about the things of God, you're probably stuck spiritually. Just giving you some thoughts. And listen to me, if, you, if, you're, if, the, if any of these seven hit you today, and you're like, man, that one kind of got me. I just want to encourage you, repent today. You can repent at the end, or you can repent right there. Just, Lord, forgive me for that. You need to reprioritize, or as Revelation chapter 2 tells us, we need to return to our first love. And I want you to hear me. If we don't repent, if we don't reprioritize, if we don't return to our first love, here's what's going to happen. We're going to find ourselves like the people of God in this valley of dry bones. We're going to find ourselves scattered. We're going to find ourselves dead. We're going to find ourselves drying up. We're going to find ourselves hopeless. And that's what's happening in this story. So let's get back to our story just a little bit. I want to begin to wrap up. God has led the prophet Ezekiel through a vision to a valley of dry bones. These dry bones, they, they represent the people of God, but they also represent us today. There's dryness. There's death, death. There's shame. There's disgrace. But notice verse 3. When I was struggling to write my sermon, these are the only four words I could write. I don't know how many times I wrote this question this week, but here's the question God asked Ezekiel. And here's the question God is asking us Can these bones live? Can these bones live? And by Ezekiel's first response, he's probably thinking, Lord, I, I, this is impossible. This is how, if I'm answering this, Lord, I know You can do the impossible. I know You've parted red seas. I know You've delivered from fiery furnaces. I know You've delivered from the mouths of a lion. I know You can do anything. But Lord, these people aren't just dead; they're beyond dead. Their bones have been picked clean by the birds. There's no flesh. There's no muscles. I see that guy's arm over there, and his leg. There's no way You can do any of this, God. They are separated. They're disjointed. They're in they're in disunity. There is no hope. This situation is hopeless. But notice. This what Ezekiel says, the end of verse 3. But Lord, only you know. What's he saying? Kind of like our story from last week, Mark, Mark chapter 9, verse 24. The man who said, I believe, but I also doubt. Lord, I don't know. It seems kind of, the situation seems hopeless, but only you know. And maybe you look at this and say, well, this is a cop-out statement. I think this is a statement of faith. I think Ezekiel is making a statement of faith here. Faith here. I think this is, if you were here last week, we talked about Lazarus. We talked about his sister that said, but Lord, even now, I think this is his even now moment. I think this is that statement. Lord, only you know. And I think what Ezekiel is saying here is, Lord, I'm not putting any hope in the bones. Lord, I'm not putting even any hope in the people of God. Lord, I'm only putting my hope in you. Lord, I hope in you. Lord, I believe in you. And that's where I believe God wants all of us to be, is Lord, I believe in you. Lord, I have my hope in you. My hope's not in my job. My hope's not in my church. My hope's not in these people. My hope's not in my finances. My hope's not even in my relationships. God, my hope is in you. God, I believe in you. And I don't know where you are today. I don't know where you are in this room. I don't know what's going on in your life, but I do know that God knows where you are. God knows if you're living in sin God knows if you're feeling some shame. God knows if you're feeling some distance. God knows if you feel blah. God knows if you're drying up. God knows if you're dead. I want you to notice what God says to Ezekiel in in Ezekiel chapter 37, verse 4. Listen to what he says here. He said to me, this is God speaking, prophesy, he's God speaking to Ezekiel, prophesy concerning these bones and say to them, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Hear the word of the Lord. Can these bones live? Only you know. And so God, though, in verse 4, flips it back on Ezekiel. and He says, you're right, Ezekiel, only I know. But Ezekiel, I'm going to use you. And I believe that God wants to use us. I believe God wants to use you to bring about life. I believe God wants to use you to bring about miracles, to bring about resurrection, to bring about hope in people's life. And God tells Ezekiel in verse 4, he says, Ezekiel, I want you to speak to these bones. Ezekiel, I want you to prophesy to these bones. And what I want to tell some of you today is some of you are we're in a place where you're dry, stuck, dead spiritually, you need to begin to speak to yourself and say, these bones need to live. You need to begin to speak to yourself. But what I want to tell you is God doesn't tell Ezekiel, just speak your own words. He says, Ezekiel, speak the word of the Lord. And listen to me, your words might be okay if you have faith and you believe. But when you begin to speak the word of God, there is something powerful in the word of God. The word of God has power fact, Hebrews chapter 4 verse 12 says the word of God is living and active. The word of God is alive even today. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. It pierces to the division of soul and spirit, joints and marrow, and it discerns the thoughts and intentions of the heart. What am I saying to you? The word of God is powerful. The word of God is alive, but number, but Psalm 107 20 tells us the word of God heals them. He sent out his word and healed them and delivered them. Listen to me, the word of God is living, the word of God brings healing, but the word of God brings deliverance. The word of God brings wholeness. The word of God brings hope. And God tells Ezekiel in this valley, in this dream, Ezekiel, the only hope for Israel who is in captivity is the word of God. You need to begin to prophesy my word into them. You need to begin to breathe my word into them. You need to put my word into them. And somebody in this room, you're hopeless. You feel like you need a resurrection. You feel like you're dry. Listen, you need the word of God in you. You don't need distance from the word. You need to press into the word. I believe the word of God brings power. The word of God brings life. The word of God brings deliverance. The word of God brings hope. Proverbs 18, 21 tells us, Death and life are in the power of the tongue. So I can speak death. I can speak the things I believe. I can believe in the things the doctor said. And listen, when Tasha had her news, one of the things we said is, We're not going to sit around and have a pity party. We're not going to play woe is me. We're not going to do those. We're only going to speak life. And Psalm 107 20 became one of our scriptures. He took the word and he healed them. The word of God brings healing. The word of God brings life. And so your tongue holds the power of life and death. You can say, the doctor said i have cancer therefore i have cancer or you can say the word of god says i am healed therefore i am healed life and death are in the power of the tongue there is power in the word of god you can prophesy life or you can prophesy death it's your choice so ezekiel chapter uh, 37 verse 5 and 6 god tells him hey i want here's what i want you to say listen this is what the lord says to say to these bones I will cause breath to enter you and you will live and I will put tendons on you and I will make flesh grow on you and I will cover you with skin. I will put breath in you so that you will know that I am the Lord your God. You will know because I've brought you back to life. Listen to me today. The word of God brings life and so God is speaking to Ezekiel and telling him what to say and so Ezekiel begins to do what God says. Now let's pick it up in verse seven and eight. Listen to what he says here. So I did as I was commanded. That's what he says here. I prophesied. Ezekiel preached the word. And while I was prophesying, or we could say while I was preaching, while I was saying the word of God, listen, he he says there was a noise a rattling sound, and the bones came together bone to bone, and as I looked, verse 8, tendons appeared on them, flesh grew, and skin covered them, listen, Ezekiel is prophesying, and there's a sound, and what I want to tell you today is I declare the word of God over Destiny Church, there is a sound, there is a rattling, God is taking things that have been disjointed and separated and distance and dryness and lack and kind of just this hopeless feeling in your life, and God is bringing it all. back together and he's connecting it. And that's what I believe God is doing. As Ezekiel prophesies, the bones come together. Hopeless situations are coming together. Death is coming back to life. He's putting it all together. Ligaments, flesh, bone, muscle, skin, hair. I want you to see all of this happening. God is using Ezekiel to bring about a miracle. And God wants to use you, whether you're young or whether you're old, God wants to use you to bring about a miracle. So I want you to picture this scene. This is just some crazy vision. You think the Bible is not interesting. I don't see how you can think that with stories like this. This is a movie, right? Imagine this happening. So now you've got this prophet standing in this valley and no longer now is the valley like just dry bones scattered. Now there's just corpses laying everywhere. I mean, imagine it. They, all these bones, you can just hear all these rattling and all legs coming from one field to another leg. And they're, oh, I got your leg. I mean, I don't know. It's just, it's just this weird scene happening in front of our eyes. And they're all coming there. And then they're just laying there, just bodies. Is that all God wanted to do? No, God wasn't done, so God says, Ezekiel, there's more work to do. They're still dead. Listen, you can have flesh and tissue and skin and muscles and all of that. Unless you have the breath of God in you, you're still dead. So let's look at it. Let me me begin to close this up, verse 8. As I looked, tendons appeared on them, flesh grew, and skin covered them. But listen to the end of this verse here. But there was no breath in them. Verse 9, though. So he said to me again, Ezekiel. Prophesy, preach, speak to the breath. Prophesy, son of man, say to it, this is what the Lord says breath come from the four winds and breathe into these slain so that they might live. This is powerful. Verse 10 So I prophesied, I did as God told me. And listen to what it says, and breath entered them, and they came back. To life and they stood on their feet, a vast army. I want to tell you today there is something powerful about the Word of God. It's living, it's active, it brings salvation, it brings healing, it brings deliverance, but it is breathed by the Word of God. Two things I want you to get today. If you are dead, dry, lifeless, if you're stuck spiritually, get in the Word of God. Don't avoid the Word of God. The Word of God brings brings power, the word of God brings life, the word of God brings healing, but not only do we need the word of God, number two, we need the breath of God. If you are dead, if you are dry, if you are dying, I command to you today, I prophesy to you today, breath, come into them, life, come into them, hope, come into them. Breathe into them again. Renew their passion again. Make them hungry for you again. Make them chase after you again. Restore their dreams, restore their hope. My prayer today is that God through his word would breathe life into whatever is dead, stuck, drying or blah inside of you. That's my prayer for you today. And three things as the band returns. Number one, the breath of God gives you physical life breath of God gives you physical life. We see this in Genesis chapter 2. God made man. What did he do? Abraham, Adam was born, but he had no breath. And God breathed and brought physical life. We see that same thing unfold in Job chapter 33. We see the same thing. So number one, the breath of God gives us physical life, but number two, the breath of God gives us spiritual life. We see this in Genesis chapter 3. and John, John chapter 3, I mean, with the story of Nicodemus. How do we born again? We have to be born again spiritually. Not only am I born physically, but I have to be born again spiritually. If you want the breath of God flowing in you, you have to be born again. But not only that. Number two, and the same thing: the breath of God gives us spiritual life. We see this in John chapter 20, concerning baptism of the Holy Spirit. The disciples were there. Jesus prayed, and He breathed on them, and they were filled with the Holy Spirit. And then number three. The breath of God gives us, number one, physical life. Number two, spiritual life. Number three, it gives us renewed life. Renewed life. And we see this right here in our story in Ezekiel chapter 37. If you need resurrection, if you're stuck spiritually, if you're feeling blah, if you're feeling lifeless, if you need renewed, restored, revived, you need the word of God and the breath of God. If you're living in sin, you need the word of God and the breath of God. If you're stuck spiritually, today I want God to breathe his life in you. Thank you for listening to today's message. If you'd like to learn more about Destiny Church, how to get connected, or give online, visit destinychurch.me. Have a great week.